is up and welcome in. It's another edition of 10,000 Pitches, a podcast devoted to everything Minnesota soccer and beyond. As always, my name is Jeremy Rushing. Alongside me is Mr. Dominic Jose Bisonio, writer and contributor to SodaSoccer.com. Dom, how you doing tonight? I'm doing great, Jeremy. Uh, watched a, a lot of soccer the last several days, uh, mm-hmm. including Minnesota United. Also, uh, a lot of great stuff happening right now in the uh, Copa Libertadores and Sudamericana. Anyone that has access to BN Sports uh, in the U.S. anyways should definitely check out uh, those matches. Those are usually on weekdays right now. But um, but yeah, a lot, a lot of good soccer stuff happening, and I've, I've been enjoying it, so I look forward to talking. It's a great way to fill your weekday soccer fix when the Europa League and the Champions League and all those, you know, there's a little mm-hmm. bit of a break there. The Copa Libertadores is a great tournament, a lot of high-quality soccer. So, yeah, cannot recommend that enough if you have uh, some work-time soccer viewing that you can fit into your schedule. Um, obviously, also, CONCACAF Champions League. Shout-out Seattle. Uh, they got a chance. They yeah. got a chance. And I think that's all you can ask for. They're they're taking it back home to Lumen Field. Uh, tied 2-2 on aggregate. You get two away goals. Although I don't – did I read somewhere that they're not doing the away goals tiebreaker? Well, I'm not sure about that because I CONCACAF in the um, – up until this point, CONCACAF has been – one of the only uh, conferences that has been maintaining the away goal rule because Europe and South America have already gotten rid of it. I thought Um, I had heard that for the championship specifically, they were doing away hmm. with the away goals. That's a weird thing to do because New England literally got booted out by it, like in the semis or the quarters. But maybe that's what I, I, to be honest, I'm not. I sure. could be completely making that up too. That could be complete BS. So that's, that's very, very likely. Um, but, anyways, either way, to say it's a good, it's a good thing to score two goals on the road either way. So, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. Yeah. Especially in the way that Seattle did it to bring themselves back level, heading back to Seattle. So, shout out to them. Shout out to the Sounders. Hopefully, you know, there's a lot of people on Twitter that are like, oh, how can you root for the Sounders? It's MLS. Like, They've literally never won this thing, and they're the only hope for this league to win this thing now. So sorry. Like yeah. it could be it could be Colorado, it could be Orlando, it could be any team. Any team. If they're in the final of the CONCACAF Champions League and they're the MLS's only hope, I'm going to root for them, despite how I feel about them in league play. That's fair. I have two things on that note. This is not a Seattle Sounders podcast, but we're gonna talk about the first second. Um, on point one, yeah, I agree. Look, I'm not like a Sounders person, but uh, no. it would obviously be historic for any MLS team to win this tournament in its modern form. Certainly, wouldn't mind it being them versus anyone else. I'm mean, other than perhaps I would prefer to have ended up being Minnesota United, but that's not going to happen anytime soon. So, um, I mean, we we could argue all day. That could be a whole other podcast on whether or not Minnesota should have been in the Concacaf Champions League. This past well, year. hey, if you, when when the 2019 Open Cup turns out, you get 10 years of a uh, CCL versus so. <laughs> yeah, 10 years of but, eligibility. Uh, <laughs> we were one match away, Jeremy. Uh, but um, <laughs> but two other points. One, to, I don't know, you know the people you're referring to that were complaining. I don't know what team they actually support. But if you're a Minnesota United fan, bugging people about hoping Seattle win this you are choosing to ignore the fact that before Minnesota United joined MLS, most of the state either supported Seattle or Portland. So let, let, let's just be very honest about 
about you know what the in terms of MLS support, I should say. Obviously, they weren't. They were, perhaps were supporting Minnesota United in the NASL. But if you ask most Minnesotans before the Loons joined MLS who they liked in MLS, they would say one of those two teams. That is, mm. I promise Correct. you. Um, the the I don't know flip. And the one reason I wouldn't want the Sounders to win this game is because if they do, the folks that keep voting them into the top five of the MLS power rankings will. <laughs> Suddenly be <laughs> They'll, able be to stay. They'll be number one next week, Tom. Guaranteed. Yes. Oh, yes, that, that as well. But now they will be able to justify oh, months yeah. of bullshit. Let's <laughs> power ratings and say it, it made sense. Look, they won. Who cares that they're losing to literally all the other bad teams in MLS right now? <laughs> but they've won this game in this other competition that is not part of MLS. So they're definitely the best. They're not in playoff I mean, contention, but, you know. Um, just like winning so that's the 2019 the U.S. Open Cup locks in your eligibility forever, winning the CONCACAF Champions League locks in a top 10 MLS power ranking spot for the Absolutely. rest of the season, no matter how the league season goes. Well, I think I think that, not to, this is inside baseball, but I think I made a joke in the Slack at some point that the Seattle Sounders were about to become the first team to ever win MLS Cup without making the playoffs. So, like, <laughs> just this, is really, this is really historic. But congratulations, <laughs> Seattle, prematurely. Um, yeah, anyway, it'd be cool if they won. If they don't win, there's a part of me that's going to be happy because of the power rankings thing, which is dumb. But, uh, yeah, I, I would like to see MLS get get through that doorway, if for no other reason than to eliminate it as a talking point and to move on to just, like, having, you know, uh, feeling like any, not anyone, but any MLS or Mexican club has a chance. Uh, I, you know, obviously that's what you would want for the competitive side. So, uh, yeah, hopefully they figure it out in the second leg as well. I truly respect the power rankings voters for MLS for just completely throwing all like logic out the window and just being like, okay, how can we rank this? That just generates the most response that just generates yeah. the most talking points that gets us as many people in this darn Twitter spaces as, as humanly possible. That's, and I, I I respect that you do it for content, right? You do it for the content. Yeah. So the grind is very real. Anyways. The MLS power ranking, very very real, absolutely real. Well, again, we are ten thousand pitches. Uh, we are presented by SodaSoccer.com. If you haven't checked out SodaSoccer.com, you won't find any op-ed pieces on the Seattle Sounders or the CONCACAF Champions League in there right now. Uh, but you will find a lot of great coverage uh, and stories regarding. Minnesota soccer from Dominic Jose Bazonio, from Jacob Schneider, from John Marthaler, from Eli Hoff. The list goes on and on. So make sure you check us out, sodasoccer.com. And if you want to support what we do, we would really appreciate it. You can check us out by becoming a supporter or a super sub over on our Patreon, patreon.com slash sodasoccer. Get some early access content. We just had a little brainstorming session on some extra bonus content um, that we could be giving Patreon supporters as well. Um, as a thank you for uh, subscribing and lending us your support. So make sure you check us out and do that. Patreon.com slash soda soccer. All right. So let's get into this, Dom. Uh, we've already talked about uh, the Seattle Sounders, CONCACAF Champions League. Now let's rein it back in here to the state of Minnesota and Minnesota United, because there's a lot to talk about. Some negative, a lot positive. We're going to get the negative out of the way first. Uh, we had heard on Friday from our very own Jacob Schneider. Um, speaking of inside baseball, that uh, Minnesota United's uh, training session had been cut short due to an injury. Uh, later found out that that injury was to Hassani Dotson. 
And we found out Saturday before about two hours before game time, just how severe this injury was. And it's not good news. Torn ACL. Uh, sounds like there's some meniscus damage as well. And uh, so Hassani Dotson will be out for the remainder of the 2022 season. Um, as he uh, gets surgery, we'll rehab that injury. Hopefully good to go for the beginning of 2023. But um, just as you're hitting here, your stride here, Dom, this is obviously a, a huge, productive, um, versatile piece to lose at this juncture. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, at the end of the day, it didn't uh, end up affecting necessarily the, the way the, the game went um that day but this is clearly a big loss for for minnesota united this is a extremely talented player who can play multiple positions at a pretty high level which is not always you know that that's a relatively rare thing we, we talked uh, i think last episode about you know or maybe it was a post loons or something but we we talked recently about uh you know being impressed by his mentality his maturity mm-hmm. uh the fact that he decided to just take on this challenge of playing uh, in the back line instead of in the midfield and, and doing his best. Mm-hmm. Um, again, clearly talented, been recognized at the international level in, in recent years as well. Um, it's it's a big loss. This is a, a guy that I, I think we were all starting to think was going to kind of become a starter in that back line for the foreseeable future. And and mm-hmm. now that's completely not an option uh, for, for the rest of the season. It's also, you know, in the long term, it's a uh, probably puts him in a little bit of a weird situation. This season already was kind of one where there was some debate early on about like, is this the year that Asani Dotson's going to leave the loons? You know, all, all this stuff with the positions, where does he want to play? Where does Heath want to play him, et cetera? Obviously, getting to that age range where you got to really start making big decisions in terms of your career as a player. And now he just has to wait a whole season without playing uh, mm-hmm. to, you know, by the time he's able to play, there's going to be a lot of big decisions he's going to have to make, and he's not going to have had a fresh season to even mold those decisions with. So uh, sets up a kind of a weird offseason, to be honest, I, I think, yeah. re- regarding his place in the team. Uh, but again, an immediate huge loss, huge loss to not have this option uh, to play in the midfield, to play in the back line, heck, to play in the front line if really desperately needed. Um and, uh, you know, obviously we hope uh, hope for the best in terms of his his recovery, but clearly it's going to be a very long process. Yeah, I mean, this sucks for a lot of reasons, right? But for me, timing-wise, the thing that makes it even that much more deflating is the fact that at least from my vantage point, and as you mentioned, Dom, this is something that we previously discussed um, on the air, is that he was, seemed like he was really starting to make that right-back position his own. Um, and it seemed like he was really starting to come into his own in that position and find ways to uh, inject himself in the match, you know, make an impact on both ends of the pitch from that right back spot. It seemed like he was really starting to get comfortable there just as uh, this injury um, occurs. So, uh, yeah, it's a it's a big, big loss. Obviously, from a defensive midfield standpoint, you have two horses that you can call upon, uh, Will Trapp and Kervin Ariaga. But now the depth becomes a greater question. Uh, in that in that defensive midfield obviously this weekend uh we're probably likely to see and we'll get to that in a second but due to will traps yellow card accumulation um he won't be available so we're likely to see joseph rosales probably alongside Kervin ariaga so we'll see how that goes 
But between Rosales, between Ja'Cory Hayes, between Nabi Kimaguchi, um, there's a lot of unknown now when it comes to the depth in defensive midfield. So that's something to look look to and keep an eye on as we move forward here. Um, is somebody going to step up and kind of solidify themselves as that that main go-to reliable option behind Trap and Ariaga? We will see. Um, I think in all likelihood it will be Rosales or or Hayes this weekend. Um, but yeah, let's talk about the match though, because the match itself was um, a great kind of bounce back from the deflating news of the Hassani Dotson injury. Minnesota United blank Chicago douse the fire, extinguish the fire, three nil at Allianz Field, third straight win in all comp. It's their second straight MLS win following two losses. Um, and this was just a great end-to-end performance from the Loons. Starting 11 saw Dane St. Clair in goal. Back line of O'Neill Fisher, Michael Boxall, Bakai Debassi, and Kamar Lawrence right to left. Um, Kervin Ariaga and Will Trapp in the defensive midfield. Lud on the right, Reynoso with the 10, Fragapani on the left, and Luis Samaria up top. And we mentioned that the previous match against Colorado was kind of the return of Reynoso. Well, this was like the statement from Reynoso, this one. The exclamation point, the stamp that he is back and he is back in form. We'll start here. We'll get into the specifics of the match, but um, Reynoso was all over the place, all match long. Easily the biggest impact player for Minnesota United. And that's kind of what they need him to be. And it started with Colorado, but just continuing to further that step against Chicago and a, a, a truly vintage, I, I, how do you say vintage for a guy who's not even been this this team two full years yet, <laughs> but um, definitely what we've been accustomed to seeing in when Emmanuel Reynoso was at his best, that was on full display against Chicago. Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, the on the statistical side, you see the assists, you see the first goal from open play this season, and, and that's obviously great. Uh, but but really, the the full nine or not the full ninety, but he came off. But the full time he was on, eighty plus minutes that he was on, uh, just a really wonderful performance. Obviously, getting involved in the goals, but also just seemed uh, similar to the Colorado match, seemed a lot more connected, a lot more in the flow of the match than in the early matches uh, this season mm. had connections, had a, we might talk a little more about this in a second, but had a, had a goal ruled off early on, which was correct. But you know, you, you still saw right away. He seemed very active, very in it, very ready. Uh, and, and yeah, I, I think a lot of our concerns about him have been very uh, clearly answered in, in his last two games. Uh, where he has just been been the player he's been seasons before at times, um, but but really showing up at a time when this team needed some guidance, some momentum, uh, a guy that is starting uh, in the front line that can lead the way, lead by example. Uh, unfortunately, he did not use in either game the driving celebration, I believe, that we suggested he used to mock us, but... Um, it was a uh, it was a really good uh, really good performance for him against Chicago and without him you know we'll talk more about the substitutions that were made prior to the goals I think had a, a big impact but uh, him remaining on the pitch 
proved as important because he was the one connecting the dots with the new arrivals to to get all three goals. Anytime the ball was at Reynoso's feet in the attacking third, you didn't just think something was going to happen. You knew something was going to happen um, as far as creating a goal scoring chance or just, just some, some high quality from Reynoso anytime that he received the ball. It was really one of those matches where, you know, there's a reason why heading into last season and even in some cases heading into this season, he was considered an MVP candidate um, because of performances like that, because of impacts like that. Um, So we'll get to the goals that he uh, was involved in in just a minute. Um, But you did mention he had an early goal ruled off Um, also in the first half, which was a mostly eventless first half, uneventful first half. Um, but Will Trap drink did earn yet another early early yellow card. Uh, so you can mark that one off on your bingo board. Um, another first half yellow, his fifth of the season, and his second in two straight MLS matches, which due to accumulation now renders him uh, unavailable for a huge match at first place LAFC next weekend or this weekend, excuse me. So that's obviously not ideal. Now, as far as this match is concerned in a vacuum, Trapp did a good job to keep himself on the pitch, still making an impact um, and not necessarily having it bite them in that match specifically like it has in matches past when Trapp has earned that early yellow card. But obviously it does put them at a bit of a disadvantage. You know, not only considering this, considering the Hassani Dotson injury, as we just mentioned, um, who who are you know Minnesota United going to look to now to start alongside Kerman Ariaga against LAFC? That be, that begs that question. But just a, another situation where via get, getting a yellow card trap has put Minnesota United in a disadvantageous situation. Yeah, you know, I feel like this topic is like the undiscussed big storyline of the first couple games of of the season. Because this is such a crucial player. This is a leader in the team. Captain. And, and <laughs> captain, literally. And, uh, and you know, a, a, a familiar name in MLS, you know, no, known element, etc. Um, you know, I brought a bit of attention when the team acquired him. It was a notable headline. Yeah. Uh, and he just can't seem to not get carded. And I, I, that, I mean, obviously we're going to face the, uh, the actual repercussion of that in this LAFC match where he cannot play, but I just at a broader level, uh, I don't know what to make of that. That's concerning to me that he just against all kinds of teams, you know, all kinds of games. It's not necessarily just a certain kind of team that this is, or a certain kind of tactic this is happening against. It's just kind of happening all the time. And uh, as you kind of referenced, it's yet to come to the point where uh, he has ended up being sent off within a match, which I suppose would be the the worst situation. Mm-hmm. And I and, and I suppose he deserves some credit for you know preventing that happening so far. But you 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 can't just constantly get yellow carded. I, it's it's not it's not a plan. It's not a workable plan. I you know. Uh, I, I, I don't really know what else to, to say. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like a quiet, big concern 
you know, obviously the, the, the usual concerns are scoring, conceding, whatever. Um, but quietly, this is just like this big issue. Uh, one of the most important players on the team just can't get through 30 minutes without getting yellow carded. That, that, that's weird. Uh, it's, it's strange. So uh, hopefully that is addressed in some way. You know, I don't know if that's a, I don't know how that would happen if that's ta- uh, tactical, if that's just him personally figuring things out. I don't know. Some luck with the referees. Um, but at some point, that's going to become a problem through the stretch of the season. And, and uh, you, you imagine, it might already be happening, but you imagine later in the season, it's going to get to the point where teams are going to be like, hey, target that guy. Yeah. Make that that's guy right. do something stupid because he's getting a yellow card almost every game. So if you, if you tempt him, something's probably going to happen. We'll get right back into the episode in just a minute, but I want to talk to you about our friends over at Pence Homes. If you're on Minnesota United Twitter, you probably know who Nate Pence is. He's a diehard Loon supporter, but he's also a supporter of Minnesota soccer as a whole, just like us here at Soda Soccer. See, Nate and his team are realtors specializing in the St. Paul and Minneapolis area, and he proudly supports various teams and organizations in the Twin Cities soccer community, like Minneapolis City, our friends over at Equal Time Soccer, and now SodaSoccer.com and 10,000 pitches. Not only is Nate ingrained in the local soccer ecosystem here, he's also helped countless people in and around the Metro buy and sell their homes and has made them very happy as a result. But don't take our word for it. Just listen to what Kate W had to say. She said, quote, Nate was excellent to work with. He's down to earth, approachable, not pushy. We developed a great rapport with Nate and have already recommended him to friends. So just head to pencehomes.com to get the process started or email Nate directly at nate at pencehomes.com. That's P-E-N-T-Z homes.com. Also, make sure you let him know Jeremy from Soda Soccer sent you. Again, that's pencehomes.com, P-E-N-T-Z homes.com. There's no doubt in my mind that Will Trap is on the the scouting report of every yeah. team who faces Minnesota United and probably has been over the last couple of weeks. Cause we right. said this is five matches in a row now or not five matches in a row, but five times that this has yeah. happened. Um, so I have to imagine that's something that teams are looking at. And also another big point of this too, is those two defensive midfielders in the four, two, three, one are sort of given the task of making challenges and, trying to get the ball turned over before an attack even gets to the back line. Like that's part of the responsibility is to try to create midfield turnovers and try to make challenges and stop attacks. When you get a red card early on in the match, it really inhibits your ability to effectively do that. And we've seen that bite them in their two losses to Seattle and Austin. Will Trap gets carded in both those matches, I believe, or at least the Seattle match. And we see that play out almost immediately after that is when Seattle was really able to make their onslaught. And so they got away with it against Chicago. They got away with it against Colorado. You're not going to get, but you're not going to get away with that against really effective attacking teams. And lo and behold, who is coming up on Sunday? The highest scoring team in MLS in LAFC and you're not even going to have Will Trap available on the field. Just not an ideal position to be in. 
Um, and something that, again, I'm not a tactical, you know, I, I, there's a reason why I don't work for a, for a soccer team or whatever. I'm really looking at this from a 30,000 foot view of somebody who, um, you know, knows the game a little bit, I guess, but something that seems kind of avoidable. Am, am I, am I mistaken in saying that? Or is, is that, is that unfair? Well, I, I just, yeah, I, I, I just feel like it's possible to, for this team to play without that happening all the time. I mean, the, mm-hmm. this, this wasn't, was this problem there last year? Not that I remember. It wasn't as much I, of a focal point. Uh, you know, and yeah, and Trap I mean, may have gotten carded a, you know, a, a handful of times, but it was never this consistent. Right. And so I think that's maybe the, 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 the the point of all this is just like, why is this happening right now? Like, it, it's just, it's a strange pattern. And uh, surely there is a way for this team to work well with, you know, him, a clearly talented football player to be there and not constantly have this happening. Uh, surely there is a way to work that out. Uh, and if it's not worked out as we, as we alluded to, uh, by the halfway point of the season, he he is going to be the headline of the scouting report to play Minnesota United. So um, that's not a good thing either. Uh, so hopefully something is figured out to to lessen the frequency of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we head into halftime, nil-nil. Um, Chicago doing really what Chicago does, relying on their defense, relying on goalkeeping, you know, attacking when they get the the chance, uh, but but Minnesota definitely got the better of the attacking portion of the match. I would say heading into halftime, um, but that's <clears throat> not uncommon for teams to play the fire. Chicago, you know, the fire definitely lead from the back this season, and their success comes from their defense. But um, we get into the second half now, and as you mentioned, Adrian Heath goes to the Dunlady Bongi sub a lot earlier in this one. I believe it was the 75th minute against Colorado. He goes to that well here in the 62nd. So you have to imagine he was not necessarily happy with the trajectory the way it was going, the, or excuse me, the trajectory the match was heading in uh, because we've seen him, well, we've heard him say time and time again that he really only makes substitutions when he feels that the flow of the game is not in their favor. Um, that's right. kind of his, his indicator that something, change, something needs to change from his vantage point. And so to do this in the 62nd minute, obviously he was not happy with what he was seeing on the pitch or not satisfied with what he was seeing on the pitch. Um, so he, he goes to that sub, he goes to the well, old faithful, I guess we could call that sub now, if you will. Um, and what do you know? 10 minutes later, Mano Reynoso, as we mentioned, scores his first open play goal of the year. Um, and this was, this run up by Bongi is just encapsulates the what he can bring to this team his straightforward attacking style really has the opportunity to put defenses on their heels but also draw the attention of the defense and that's what we saw happen here with the fire who have been a very very sound defensive team only giving up two goals the entire season heading into this match so a very solid defensive unit but as Bangi is attacking the box here with the ball three fire defenders sort of just attract to him like a butt, like a fly to a light. Right. And that leaves the best player on the pitch wide open. 
And Bongi just waits till that perfect moment, that last second moment, to just get it over to Reynoso, wide open. Ray's not going to miss from there. And suddenly the Loons get the lead, and they are uh, they're looking dangerous. Yeah, really great impact from from Lonwane right away, or you know, within within ten minutes or so. Uh, like you said, the movement, the awareness of what's around him, all really fantastic. Um, and you know, it, it's interesting. Obviously, uh, we'll get to it later, but obviously, he got another assist later in this game. Uh, you know, against Chicago, I, I think we saw an interesting side to to him that that we've seen in, in portions. Um, in that, you know, he's a very we talked about him being this very direct kind of raw talent, but in a strange way, I I feel like his skills actually show themselves best um, as a as a helper than as the guy taking the final shot. Um, because to be perfectly frank, I don't think I've really seen him, you know, take a, a shot that I thought was great um, this, this season. Uh, but that directness in a strange way ends up really showing itself best when at the end it results in an indirect action. Uh, and and he, he showed an ability to create situations and then connect with somebody else in the box or around the box in just such an effective way, which was really impressive. Obviously, the the, the headline of, of that moment being then that he finds Ray, who who lets off a fantastic shot. Um, you know, no way that's not going in. And uh, and, and a great moment for him. I believe he uh, went to the corner and pointed where his, his wife and child were. I think I had seen that. Yes. Um, so re- really great moment for him, getting that first open play goal and, and a really well-worked goal. I, we'll probably talk about this more once we talk about all the goals, but um, I think this game, for me, more than the Colorado match, although the Colorado match really started this thought process, um, left me with a very strong impression of the folks that were substituted off at the 62nd minute and the folks that were substituted in at the 62nd minute. Um, I I think it's worth pointing out now before we get too far into the parts of the game that he wasn't on the pitch, that when Luis Amaria left, he had zero shots. Not on target, total. In an hour. And let's I want to say, and even though the loons have won three straight matches in all competitions, I, I am hard pressed to, to think of a shot, even a shot on goal from Maria in any of those three matches. I, I know he had um, one registered from, from the stats that I saw one registered shot against the Rapids. I do not remember if it was on target or not. So mm-hmm. that's at least two MLS games. I, I'm not sure about the Madison match, but that's at least two MLS games where he played, collectively you know roughly two hours uh with one shot yeah. uh that the the dynamic of this attack again looked very different when he was not there and and then Lottie and and Lanwane were were on with with load switching up his position so yeah right away within 10 minutes which I, I think is actually the same amount of time that passed in the Colorado game before we saw a goal um we we saw such a change of the flow on one at creating a great situation and Ray taking advantage of it. So that was that was great to see. Absolutely. Um, five minutes later, 
uh, Federico Navarro sent off for a second yellow card in the 77th minute. Um, I see here in the uh, notes, Dom, you have a question after this saying, was it though? I um, do. So my guess is you think this might have been a soft second yellow. Well, I, I can even, I can, we can't post it because it's MLS footage. I can send it to you. They showed an angle on the broadcast where it appears that they didn't touch. No, they did not touch, but so that is, is that is something I've seen a few times this season in MLS. I think twice now I've seen this in Minnesota in Minnesota's case, and I believe the first time I saw it, it worked against Minnesota. I think maybe Robin Lud might have gotten a yellow card. Um, I could be wrong. Um, where even if if contact is not made, if you are sliding in in what is deemed to be a reckless way. And somebody is literally having to jump or dive or, or whatever, make some sort of drastic movement to get out of the way of that challenge. I think they still treat it the same or nearly the same mm-hmm. so, this year. And I don't know if that's a directive from pro from MLS. I have to imagine it's it's some something along those lines, but it's not the mm-hmm. first time where I've seen a contactless challenge be card. Sure. So what you just explained, I understand. My problem is that, in my opinion, is not what happened. Okay. Uh, so Navarro admittedly made a very aggressive slide into empty space, got the ball, then Laud ran into where Navarro was and had to jump over him. That, that to me, is not what you just explained. So yep. especially for the ref to decide that that is a, a second yellow that he knows is a second yellow and to send him off. I think we, I think Minnesota would have won this game either way. And at, you know, at the end of the day it happened. So it is what it is, but I just don't think that that is a, is a send off. I, I don't think that was the right way for the ref to manage that game. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, that 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 that's why I put the was it though <laughs> note on the thing because I just I just don't think that was I don't think that was the right thing to do by the ref. I don't think that that means that Chicago were robbed of the game. I think it was going Minnesota's way either way. Obviously, we we're already in the lead, but I, I think it would have continued to go Minnesota's way either way. Um, but obviously, Navarro was not happy about being sent off, nor I'm sure were the rest of Chicago Fire. So. I, 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 I'm not sure the ref has implemented that idea the right way. I, I think maybe in the moment the referee thought it was the correct implementation of the, of the point that you made. But I, I think if the ref had been forced to look at a replay, perhaps he would have rethought his decision. Although I don't know if he's even able to because it was a double yellow. I don't know if he's able to change that. I'm not but. sure the rules... Um, I have worked in a VOR for MLS. I did so for a season uh, at a few Minnesota United home matches. Um, I never had a situation where there was a double yellow. Um, I only had situations where there were straight reds that were looked at. Now, again, I was not the one making or impacting decisions. So don't try to say that, uh, you know, I was, you know, uh, unequipped. I was just the one that was really passing along the information from the operating room to the media. But, um 
Yeah, so I'm not sure what the rules are there on a double yellow. Or if, and I have to imagine because they didn't go to the monitor there that they are probably different than a straight red right. situation. Right. Um, anyway. But anyways, yeah. So now though, the other the other side of this is so Chicago goes down to ten men. All of a sudden, a collective uh, uh, holding of breath happens from <laughs> on the Minnesota side on Minnesota United yeah. Twitter. Oh no. This is a curse now. We're up a man. This is a curse. Th- traditionally, things do not go well when uh, a, an opposing player gets sent off and Minnesota are at the man advantage. Um, there's still a lot of, uh, you know, the boogeyman comes out a little bit when thinking about last year's Colorado match. But I think they might have put that one to bed for good here, Dom, with the performance following the, the sending off here. Um, just uh, five minutes after... Um, or excuse me, seven minutes after Navarro gets sent off. Loons get a second. Ariaga his first goal of the season um, off a of Reynoso corner kick. Um, just Loons taking advantage of the man advantage there on the set piece. Um, good to see Ariaga getting on the scoreline. Uh, deserved goal from him considering his performances so far this season. Um, good to see that set pieces are becoming a dangerous um, tool in the belt for Minnesota once again. Two set piece goals against Madison in the Open Cup set piece goal here against uh, the fire. Um, so hopefully some more confidence from a set piece standpoint for Minnesota moving forward. Cause that'll be crucial if they want to keep the success up, but either way, Ariaga on the board, it's two nil needed for it. Yeah. I, you know, I think it's really great to see someone like Ariaga who has a, a, a very imposing physique, you know, he's a very large person, very uh, uh, tall and obviously uh, athletic. Uh, great to see Minnesota United find ways to get, People like him into good positions off of corners to get goals. That's that's just a type of thing that a high-functioning soccer team has to be able to do. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and so when you have those kinds of guys, not necessarily uh, up at the front of the, of the pitch, but more in the, more in the defensive positions, midfield positions, the corners or, or free kicks in the final third are obviously the situations where they get a chance to do that. So yeah, great, great to see him do it. I imagine that'll be a great addition to his momentum as well, just becoming more and more part of this team. Uh, obviously, you know, it's weird to think about because he's been so central last so many weeks, but uh, he's still like got less than 10 MLS games under his belt. You yeah. know, he's, he's still really growing into this. Uh, but that goal, I imagine, is a, is a great way to continue that process. So great for him. And, you know, we, we've talked already many times, but I, I think that's easily one of the biggest uh, add-ons that the Loons did this offseason. We've seen that in the, the defensive and to a certain degree, the, the build-up sides of the game. But uh, yeah, against Chicago, we got a little snippet of what he can do in terms of the final third, and, and it was very effective. Considering the circumstances, that uh, that signing gets even bigger now, <laughs> for yes. sure. Oh, very much so, yeah. All right, you can call this our 10K coffee break because it's time to tell you about our friends over at Ninth Street Soccer and Coffee. Derek and his team at Ninth Street have been so great to us and we hope you can support them the way they've done for us over this past year. Ninth Street is part indoor soccer facility, part coffee shop. You heard me right. You can get a pickup game in and get your espresso fix all in the same place. How cool is that? I have to say, I was lucky enough to sample some of the coffee you can get at 9th Street. My goodness, it's some great stuff. Derek is one hell of a barista, I'll just say that. Affordable weekly pickup is always available at 9th Street. You can reserve the field for your team, party, or group outing, 
and they always have something cool going on at 9th Street, including Minnesota United watch parties happening periodically for road games throughout the season. So make sure you check them out on IG and Twitter at 9th Street MPLS. That's 9th and Street, both spelled out. N-I-N-T-H-S-T-R-E-E-T-M-P-L-S on IG and Twitter. Look them up on Facebook and Google or visit their website, 9thStreetMPLS.com, just like the uh, social handles. N-I-N-T-H-S-T-R-E-E-T-M-P-L-S.com to sign up for pickup, reserve field time, or just learn all about our good friends over at 9th Street Soccer and Coffee. 801 South 9th Street in Minneapolis or online at 9thStreetMPLS.com. It's appropriate that the third goal for the Loons comes in the 88th minute because I've probably watched this highlight 88 times since the uh, <laughs> match ended. Robin Lud doing Robin Lud things. Just absolutely going, and this may be a reference that goes over some people's heads, so I apologize, but it goes and one mixtape on a Colorado defender um, to get around him uh, and and tuck away the goal. The work that Robin Lud does on the ball, I, I've probably talked about this. This is probably the 48th time that I've brought it up on, on air on, on a podcast over the last two seasons. But in the box, in tight space, I'm not sure you will find a better player on the ball to navigate those situations than Robin Lud. He just seems to always find a way to make the right touch, the right play to get himself into space and get a, get a shot off. It's crazy. It's consistent. It's awesome to see. And that was on full display here uh, to put, put the loons up three. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think even going back to that, that first goal he got this season against uh, uh, Philadelphia, it's Philadelphia, right? That was the first. Yep. Yeah. Um, we, you know, to your point, just seeing consistently this season so far and, and in the past as well, just really good spatial management from him, really good understanding of place, understanding of, 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 of energy between him and the defenders around him. Um, yeah, I mean, he's, he just really knows how to make the most of those moments, um, mm-hmm. even when handed very few of them. And uh, really impressive. Uh, in this case, I think all his goals this season have been pretty impressive, but they've all usually had a bit of range to them and um, you know a bit of curve to them. This one was was a, was different. It was more of a dribble and a, a slotted in at the end kind of deal, but uh, equally impressive and, and uh, great to have him connect with Juanwane to get that goal as well uh, for for his second assist of the night. Yeah. Uh, the third goal, as much as any of the other two, um, really was just another great moment seeing these guys gel, seeing, yeah. in this case, this uh, makeshift front three, whatever you want to call it, uh, really work, really connect. And, uh, yeah, it, it was just a really wonderful way to, to cap off uh, a really good result for the Loons. Two assists for Longwani, assists and a goal for Reynoso. Um, should mention that Joseph Rosales and Adrian Anu both, were both brought on a, as late subs on uh, either side of the Lud goal. So Rosales before, who knew after. Um, yeah, just a great team performance. The Loons really have a really positive snowball of momentum going. But you find yourself shorthanded, specifically in the defensive midfield, and we know how important that position that area of the field specifically is to Minnesota United success. Um, but either way you go into LAFC, 
uh, top of the Western Conference at time of recording, leading the league in goals at time of recording um, on Sunday. And it's going to be a late one on Sunday, 9 o'clock kickoff, Central Time. Um, this is going to be an interesting one. I'm not sure. I talked on Post Loons a little bit about expectations for this match and how maybe we should temper them, even though Minnesota is on a little bit of a roll. Um, I think any points you can get out of this, considering the personnel standing that you're in, um, with, with trap being out due to yellow card accumulation. Um, I think any points you can get here are sort of stealing at this point. Uh, when you go into LA in that sort of environment, in that sort of situation. Um, now there'll probably be a lot of people who disagree with me saying the loons are rolling, you know, the expectation should probably, you know, should be a result maybe. And I totally understand that. And I have no problem with that, but just the way I look at it, um, I think a point would be a huge positive, but if they go down there and they lose two one, one nil, even two nil, you know, I, I'm, I don't necessarily know that I will put too much weight on that result in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. It's an interesting one. Yeah. Uh, to your point, yeah, I, I, I agree that expectations probably always need to be a little bit moderated when you're going to play um, a team that is leading either conference, um, especially one that's doing it pretty confidently the way LAFC is right now. I, I, I suppose the – I don't know if it's the flip side of it, but something to note, uh, and, and I think – I think you might have mentioned this to some degree in, in postman's um minnesota have a bizarrely good record against lafc yeah um, <laughs> they've only beat us once it was the first time the team the two teams played since then minnesota has two wins and three draws against lafc including wins in la or at least one yep. win in la um I, uh, the second time these teams played uh which was back at TCF, I think we won like 5 1. Yeah, I think Quintero got a brace. Uh, yeah, in that one. Yeah, it was I think an Ramirez. I think that demolition. was Ramirez's last or second to last game. I think he scored as well. Um, before he joined LAFC, oddly enough. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but, um, so, you know, it's a weird, in, in that sense, it's a little bit of a weird one. Um, because Minnesota has actually a really good record, uh, against this team. Mm. Uh, one thing based off, not, not based off, but alluding to that record is one of those more recent results. Uh, I don't, I, I don't have the date in front of me, but there was a, let me see. I have the head to head in front of me. Um, in, I think it was 2019. Yeah. 2019, we won in LA two zero, uh, with a first half Mason toy brace. Yep. And that. Quite the reason that is at all relevant to what I'm going to bring up, because obviously Mason Toy's not on the team anymore, is that I think that this is a game that Adrian Heath should change up who he starts up front. Because okay. this is already a game, to your point, where it's like, we don't really know how this is going to go. Uh, you know, this is a game that, at the end of the day, this is a team that is outperforming us, outperforming most of the league, uh, has in many positions, what many people refer to as the best players in their position in the league. And I just think that if you're already going in with like, well, who knows, then you should, 
probably not start the guy who has one shot in two games. Oh, 100%. I don't, I don't think that is because there's – I just don't see how you can expect any good to come of that. If he can't get a shot against the Rapids and the Chicago Fire, what are you – I mean, I don't think a way at LAFC is the thing you should expect to draw the best out of him. So you have – at this point, you have – several guys who every time you are putting them onto the pitch, suddenly this team is scoring goals and lots mm-hmm. of them. Uh, I, I'm not necessarily saying that Heath has to literally start that, that four of, of, of Dunlady, Lode, Juan and, and Reynoso. It doesn't literally have to be that, but I do think this is a game where it makes sense to not start what he's been starting with Fratopane, Amaria, and Lod in those given positions. Um, I don't think that the game after this, which is when we host Cincinnati, is the game to do it. Because a lot of times people do that rotation on games you expect to win, but I would rather know what happens against this team. I would rather know what happens against LAFC. Because most people are going to score against FC Cincinnati right now. I don't need to know if Amaria can score against them. I don't need to know if anybody can score against them. <laughs> I don't need to know if Dunlady can score against them. What I want to see is what happens when you change it up against LAFC and maybe bring Amaria on in the last 20 minutes. Um, I think all these guys who are actually doing what forwards are supposed to do deserve more minutes. And I think the guy who's not shouldn't just be starting all the time. Uh, I agree. Back when, back when Unu wasn't really playing and it was just Amarillo all the time, we didn't really have a reference point. We didn't have a way to compare what he was doing to other people. Now we do. And the fact is his numbers barely exist compared to what every other person is doing right now in this front line. So yeah, you mentioned you, you agree. I know I'm not arguing with anybody here, but just to, to again, to the point, I think this is a big stage, but I think that is actually the perfect place to go, hey, Let's do something different. Let's, by the way, maybe throw these guys a little bit of a curveball in terms of what they're prepared for. Mm-hmm. They don't have that much footage of some of these guys playing at the end of the day to, 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 to learn from, to scout from. I, I think this is, we're already going to have to make changes in other parts of the field. And I know that some people, um, alluding to trap, I mean, I know that some people will be nervous about making lots of changes. But the fact is that this team literally is winning games by making changes right now. Yep. So at a certain point, why not see what happens when you make them right away instead of waiting for the last 30 minutes? I would love to see mm-hmm. that. I will say there seems to be this, this, I don't know, I've seen it a few times. And again, it's probably just Twitter being Twitter. But it's like, oh, all our problems are solved. We'll just start Dunlady. We'll start Bongi. We'll start Lud. We'll, we'll start Reynoso. It'll be great. It'll be exactly what we've seen in the last half hour of these last two matches. Or it's like, okay, let's that's, let's pump the brakes on that. I don't want to completely disregard that. Sure. But I feel like the timing in which those four are getting together in the match is a factor in that success that maybe sure. is not being considered in some of these situations. I completely agree with you though, that I, I, I don't want to say I've seen enough from Amari at this point, because we are only eight matches in, mm-hmm. but I think 
somebody else. Uh, we I've seen enough where I feel like somebody else deserves that opportunity. Whether yeah. you put Dunlady up top, whether you put Unu up top, whether you put Lud up top, and you do make some changes on the wings to start things off. I, I, I agree with you on that. I just don't know if, hey, that front four is working in the final half hour, so let's just start them together and everything will be great. I don't necessarily think that that's the conclusion that we can draw. Mm-hmm. But I do think that changes do need to be made up top. Yeah. Um, so we'll we'll see what Adrian Heath decides to do. Um, I think kind of we're both in somewhat agreement that you can almost treat this match as if you're playing with house money and feel like you can afford to make those changes with very little to lose from making those changes, right? Yeah. Um, considering you are playing at the number one team in the West and you're already a little bit shorthanded. Um, so I, I'm in full agreement with you there. I just don't know if, because this works in the 65th minute and beyond, it's going to work right off the bat. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I actually, I, I've in, in, in the middle of that, I like to point you out, I'm not, I know, I know I made myself the Dunlady guy, but I actually think, hey, start load up front. Maybe, maybe yeah. do something with him up front and Fragapane and Lanwane on the wings or something. You know, I mean, it doesn't have to be literally that that three, but um, your Jeremy's pick for the golden boot this season is scoring goals. Yeah, <laughs> and start, uh, hey, start him at the nine. He might get some more. Yeah. That might help me. So that might help me win this you know, uh, win this race here. Your your start. I know it's more complicated than this. I know I'm not a veteran professional soccer coach. Adrian Heath is, but. Maybe it makes more sense to start the guy that scores goals in the last several games when he's up front and not start the guy who doesn't. And bear, by the way, again, not to not to be a dead horse, but is basically not even getting shots off at this point. Yeah. I think it might his, make a little back more sense. Is to the, his, literally, his back is to the goal like yeah. 85 to 90% of the time. Yeah. So, that you know, I, and by the way, I mean, I know people know this, but and I, I don't mean to badger onto one player, but just to be clear, I know there's such a thing as, you know, great forwards that don't actually score a lot of goals or, the, the, you know, the whole, there's the, the whole false nine concept. There's the, the Roberto Firmino's or whatever. He's not even passing, making a lot of passes. Like he's not, the, the, the stats as a whole for Amaria right now are not good. Well, the uh, Loons aren't scoring goals with he is on the pitch, right? Right. Like, that's what it comes right. down to. It's not that just he's not scoring. The Loons are not scoring. Right. So it's not like he is making far post runs, near post runs to pull defenders right. that are leaving things wide open for other players, and other guys are just eating out there, racking up the goals. Right. That's not what is happening. The off the right. attack is It's just staggering. not working when he's there. Yeah. So he shouldn't probably be there is my is is our, our rationale i guess both of us so we'll see but i would prefer changes be made all right so we've gone 53 minutes on minnesota <laughs> united now uh there is some lower league chatter to get to so um before as we transition into that we'll talk about minnesota united too here um very very positive stretch of games for cameron Knowles' side uh beat st louis city 2-4-0 on the road and this is a St. Louis City two side that actually made a run in the U.S. Open Cup. 
This is a, a team that had been looking pretty, pretty good. They, you know, their home matches are well attended because St. Louis City one is not playing right now. They don't play till next year. So this is really the only St. Louis City team that that fan base has to cheer for right now. Um, they did have a really good beginning portion of the MLS Next Pro slate, uh, but the the loons, dose loons, go in and just absolutely beat the brakes off them four nil. Um, it's their third straight win and their second straight four nil win. Very impressive from the squad um, who seemed to be, I mean, they were in last place in the league after two or three matches, hadn't won a game. I think two, two losses and a draw to start things off. They have really turned that tide and seem to be clicking really well. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I mean, absolutely on fire, especially up front and, and, and also in the back. I mean, they're keeping clean sheets. Um, yeah, as, as, as you noted, this is a St. Louis city two side that had a really solid start to the year. Uh, I believe this result, uh, left Minnesota tied on points with them. Uh, and, uh, really, really good result for the loons to sort of be the, uh, be the, the cure to the, <laughs> to the madness of, of St. Louis city to start. So, um, yeah, really, really great to see uh, a mix of, of young guys and sort of more MLS guys in the in the roster for this game. And, and obviously in past games, great to see a mixture of all those guys doing well. McMaster, two goals in this game. Um, yeah, re- really, really great on, on all sides, I think, for from Minnesota United 2 right now. And, and really encouraging to see that that program figure its stuff out, get on a good path after a rough start and, and get going. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and the goals came from Justin McMaster. He actually scored twice in the 22nd and 87th minutes. Azil Jackson in the 26th scores and Tommy Williamson in 45 plus one. Um, so you're getting guys on the score sheet. Obviously good to see Justin McMaster getting in there twice. Um, former Vlora FC standout and Minnesota United Academy kid, David Garcia actually came on for Dos Loons in the 84th minute for his first minutes of pro soccer ever. Um, and he actually drew the penalty for the final goal from McMaster. So um, good to see uh, a Minnesota lower league alum, if you will, um, sort of getting that opportunity to play at the professional level, obviously made an impact in his, you know, six plus minutes uh, on the pitch. And uh, hopefully we see, there, hopefully there's more to come. From, from David Garcia. And maybe this continues to, as we, we, we talked about this four or five weeks ago, Dom, you know, maybe the success of a guy like David Garcia will open up these, these clubs that now all, or at some point will all have these reserve sides to look into the amateur and lower league scenes in their respective markets. You know, us looking at Minnesota here for that talent that could potentially make an impact on their roster. Yeah, I mean that—that's the dream, right? The 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 disconnect right now in in a lot of the country is just that mo- in most of the United States, there's only really one level of professional soccer in any place. Maybe you have a USL champion side, championship side, maybe you have an MLS side, maybe you have a League One side, but whatever one you have, you probably don't have any of the others. And so that means that mm-hmm. at the end of the day, there's not really a ladder to climb uh, if you don't, you know, get into the right the right academy at a young age so great to see that 
problem is is slowly being figured out. And uh, and by the way, shout out to Valora because so many of their players are going pro. <laughs> yeah. Um, you have De Leon with uh, New York Red Bulls two. Obviously, you have here uh, Garcia today with with Minnesota United two. Um, uh, Jacob Popkin uh, out in Syracuse had played with them briefly. Uh, Kapa two, who I wrote about. A while back, I uh, played with them a little bit, not in the UPSL, but uh, it was during the 2020, so COVID canceled the season. But he played in some tournaments with them, too. They got a lot of guys that are coming out of that program and, and doing pretty well for themselves. So, so shout out to them. Taking a quick water break here to tell you about our good friends over at Stimulus Athletic. And when I say friends, I 100% mean Jason Mora has been supporting 10,000 pitches since its infancy in the summer of 2020. And he's continuing to provide us that support with SodaSoccer.com. And I'm proud to say he's become a good, good friend of mine. Jason used his experience as a pro all over the country, including right here at Minnesota United, to help him launch a company that can provide quality game gear and apparel at affordable prices to clubs and teams at all levels. This is a Minneapolis-based company doing great things for local, nationwide, and even worldwide clubs. Minneapolis City, Joy Athletic, Flora, Dynamo St. Cloud, Tulsa Athletic, the American Outlaws, and even the Anguian national team all use Stimulus to outfit their club with the jerseys, game gear, and apparel they need. And Stimulus can do the same for you and your club as well. It's pretty simple. Just head to StimulusAthletic.com, start a conversation with their amazing team, and let them know Jeremy from Soda Soccer sent you. Again, that's StimulusAthletic.com. You think, okay, Justin McMaster, two goals in this match, probably your man of the match. Um, Diogo Pacheco, three assists, and he actually earned himself, uh, I don't know, earned himself a spot yet, but earned himself the opportunity to train with the first team this week. Um, So very, very cool to see somebody who, you know, maybe not have, might not have been on Adrian Heath's radar, or at least on our radar as like an obvious person who may be splitting time between the second or the first team or an obvious candidate to get for, you know, potentially get first team minutes at some point in the season, really assert themselves and earn that opportunity. Um, this is a very, a very positive sign moving forward that somebody has made that sort of impact so early that to, to, to earn that, because th- those, those opportunities aren't given lately. No, and, and again, I mean, I know we've said this before, but just just to reiterate, because unfortunately this is not the way that several uh, MLS teams function or, or USL championship teams function. This is how it's supposed to be. Just, you know, teams mm-hmm. are supposed to have layers of development connection and, and also connections to other teams that allow for that progressive growth, with, particularly with youth talent. So that it is not just a matter of, well, can you play MLS this weekend? Yeah. If not, then we're not interested. You know, uh, unfortunately, Minnesota United, uh, via being the only major team in Minnesota, has lost out on a lot of pretty good talent because of that gap in the past. Yeah. Uh, the fact that that seems to be being solved now is, I think, absolutely huge. It might even end up being the storyline of of the of the year if if it weren't just for the fact that obviously actual MLS results are always going to be the headline. Um, mm-hmm. That is so important. You know, five ten years from now, 
that'll probably be actually the part of this year that people are dodging about, uh, unless the Loons end up winning the league or something. Um, because that is what you need. All the all the yeah. long-term great teams in MLS, uh, in, you know, in terms of the teams that are always competing for playoffs, always maybe either getting silverware or real close, the, the Red Bulls, the, the Cascadia teams, uh, Dallas, you know, th- those sorts of teams. The reason they're able to consistently be competitive, make big sales, etc., is because they have layers of development, reliable layers of development. So mm-hmm. the fact that the Loons are finally kind of figuring that out uh, is, is absolutely huge. Definitely. Um, so obviously positive signs moving forward, both as Minnesota United 2 as a standalone squad and how they could potentially fare in MLS next pro this season. Things are obviously trending in the right direction, but, you know, I, I guess I would say more importantly from my vantage point, how this reserve side impacts the first team roster, all that seems to be looking positive as well. So um, a lot of good stuff happening for him and UFC too. And obviously we'll be keeping close track of that as that season progresses. Uh, moving down to the USASA amateur cup. Um, Vlora beats Focus FC in Kansas 4-0. Um, the match was actually ended prematurely. Very unfortunate for Vlora to make such a long trip to only play, I believe, one half of soccer. Um, there was a weather issue, um, and uh, they ended up uh, deeming the 4-0 scoreline at the time of that pause the final score. So, I mean, that's about, a, I think, an eight-hour drive. Uh, for Vlora to play 45 minutes of soccer. Uh, but you you do what you came there to do. You get the win and you move on in advance in the cup competition. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I completely agree with your, with your point. I suppose if you're going to drive, if you're going to make that long of a trip for 45 minutes of soccer, I suppose that's one of the better kinds of 45 minutes of soccer to have. Yes. Like scoring about every, a goal every 10 minutes, you know, uh, more or less. So, uh, yeah, un- unfortunate the way some of the details ended up playing out, obviously. But at, at the end of the day, I'm sure Valora are happy to be moving on to the, to the next stage um, and-, and making a you know a bit of a run out of this. Obviously, yeah. y- you've mentioned before that this is um, the M- MASL embodiment of Valora. Uh, technically, it's not the the UPSL side, um, and and so when you see that, you wonder, well, you know, what's that going to mean in terms of their competitiveness? But uh, they are proving quite competitive and uh, that's yep. their 10 goals scored zero conceded in the first two rounds. Uh, albeit the Nets team they play is, is uh, yeah. Bavar- uh, Bavarians. Uh, so that obviously <laughs> could change things, uh, but Valora host, which is great. So uh, we'll, we'll know a little more about that in a second, but, but anyways, uh, yeah, great to see Valora making a good run representing Minnesota very well um, as the only team uh, doing so. And uh, looking forward to seeing how far they can make. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it will be Bavarians as they beat Superstars 5-1 and will now travel here to the Twin Cities to play Vlora in the third round. Um, You have to imagine they will not be overlooking this one, Dom, because the last time that they came to the Twin Cities in a USASA Amateur Cup match, it was not the same walkover that they were used to. In fact, it was quite the opposite as FC Minneapolis completely blew the doors off them 
um, to advance in the tournament and eliminate Bavarians. So you have to imagine that will be weighing very heavily on the mind of the eight-time national champions. I believe it's eight-time national champions. Um, as they make the make that trip once again, this time I'll be able to play Vlora. Um, and that will, again, have to be played by May 8th. Um, so it will probably be the weekend of, and will be played either Saturday the 7th or Sunday the 8th. We don't know those details at time of recording yet. But this is a... Make no mistake, this is a big, big match um, as Bavarians makes the trip to play Vlora in this cup competition. Um, something to keep a very, very, very close eye on. Um, I know the NPSL and USL League 2 will both be underway opening weekend that weekend as well. But do not sleep on this Bavarians-Vlora match because there's a lot at stake in it as well. Yeah, and a little bit of a, a grudge match. Uh, again, uh, th- these are not the UPSL em- embodiments of, of the team on, on officially, but obviously these organizations are well aware of the fact that they feel UPSL sides. And, uh, you know, for Laura in 2019, when they won uh, uh, the UPSL uh, Midwest West, um, they, uh, when they won the, their, their conference, their division, uh, when they got to the playoffs, they had this great regular season, and unfortunately, they got knocked out immediately by Bavarians by a pretty large scoreline. I don't remember the exact numbers, but it was it was a pretty considerable win by Bavarians. Um, that game was in Wisconsin, from what I recall. Uh, and uh, you know that 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 was a, a rough momentum break. I actually this is not no one cares about this. I actually knew a player on that Valora side. I actually went to school with him, and I actually played youth soccer with him. Um, heart nice. shout out to heart. Um, and, uh, it was, it was unfortunate to see it end like that, that, that Valora side had had a really great buildup and, uh, uh, just came crashed down a little bit. Unfortunately, Bavarians, particularly at that time, were just such a powerhouse. Uh, all that to say, Valora got a little history with Bavarians, despite not being in the same conference or same state. And, uh, I'm sure they'll be very keen on making the most of this, this home game and, and perhaps providing a a notable upset for the whole region um, in, in the amateur cup. So yeah, everyone should absolutely keep an eye on this game. Yeah. The, um, the unofficial U S open cup Twitter account also keeps very, very close tabs yes. on the amateur cup. And last season when the, the city lions knocked out Bavarians, just almost, almost in denial, uh, absolute shock. Um, that that upset was one that definitely reverberated across the lower league soccer scene nationwide. Um, so we'll see if Laura can uh, can sort of find that magic um, against Bavarians. Um, another note on the Wisconsin side: United Serbians will play Fort Wayne 1927 in their second round match that was delayed. So that will be this weekend, uh, May 1st, 3 p.m. in Milwaukee. Um, so one round behind. Um, it looks like they'll be playing uh, amateur cup matches should they be fortunate enough to beat Fort Wayne um, back-to-back weekends. So something to keep a close eye on there on the Wisconsin side. Uh, Mayo High School and Med City midfielder Shalesh uh, Shatulagoma, uh, who you may have heard of on this podcast or over on sodasoccer.com via Dominic Jose Bizonio. Um, He was named to the official 14-man roster for the upcoming IFCPF Men's World Cup which of course is uh, is the, uh, the the U.S. Paralympic national team um, there. So awesome to see um, that he's getting that opportunity. 
Um, not surprising though, considering his standing with the with the national team and how much of a of a role he plays. But cool that he's officially on that on that roster, and um, it was kind of um, obviously uh, it's it's a big tournament for the Paralympic national team as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, obviously, um, most people will have, will have heard of the, the Paralympics um, as a as an event. Um, and, and that's of course a, a big deal. Um, but from a, a soccer standpoint, from a global soccer standpoint, this is the opportunity for para men's sides to play in a, in a world cup format as its own events, not, you know, related to the Olympics. Um, and, and it's a global event, you know, the teams from, it's just like the world cup, every continent, um, you know, meet up and, uh, and play. Uh, so a great opportunity for uh, for him, and uh, I, I encourage people to to keep track of how that goes. Uh, Rochester and and Minnesota as a whole being represented in the team, and it, it's a, a good reminder of something from that article that I took away. Hopefully, other people took away, which is that one thing that's really great about his story is that while I, for example, kind of found out about him because of his crossings into and out of the 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 standard eleven aside game as as we mostly know it. Para soccer is a big deal to him, and it's very important yeah. to him, and it is as much a part of his life goals as you know what we consider to be normal soccer. And um, I think that's a really important part of his story. Para soccer to him is not just a way to get into eleven aside soccer; it is part of the mission. It is part of the goal. So, um, and when, when, we, when we talked, when I talked to him, getting onto this roster, getting those minutes in this World Cup was a huge part of, of what he wanted out of the near future. So, yeah, just really great for him. Uh, if people hadn't read the article, I suggest you do that. And I suggest that you make sure to keep track of this tournament and see how he does. Yeah, absolutely. A, a really good opportunity for him and uh yeah not the u.s paralympic national team the u.s para national team the paralympics are a completely separate tournament so um my bad for the uh for the uh mis misnaming of that national team but um yeah very very cool if you haven't read dom's piece on shalesh go check that out in the community soccer section over at sodasoccer.com it's a it's a really really good uh good look at at his life and how he sort of turned uh uh, a negative into a positive um, with his uh, with his soccer career moving forward. Um, former Duluth FC goalkeeper in 2018 and 2019 and MP- MPSL Midwest Regional Champ Alberto Soroy has helped lead fifth-tier Italian club Treviso FBC 1993 to the promotion playoffs for a spot in Serie D, which is the fourth tier of Italian soccer. So, Obviously, somebody with Minnesota ties, um, helping uh, helping a club, kind of again climb that climb that European international ladder um, into the fourth tier. And you know, we have seen teams sort of make that run where you know one season they're in the fifth division, and all of a sudden you look up and they're in the third or second division. Like it's 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 doable, and uh, so it's cool that somebody with those ties is is kind of helping a helping a European club make that kind of impact. Yeah, absolutely. It's a cool to have this be part of Alberto's uh, story. Um, he he is a, for those that don't know, he is Italian. Um, so you know, this is a, a, his home country, and uh, great to see him continuing to play the game. 
uh, and and wishing wishing them the best of luck in their in their promotion campaign. Um, my understanding of how the pyramid works in Italy is that Serie C is sort of the definitive line of where everything becomes quite professional. So Serie D is sort of like very high level non-league with a bit of professional depending on the club. That's my understanding of it. Um, So, you know, point being, this would be a very nice jump for that team to make and for him to make. Um, I would trust few men more than Alberto Soroya knock out football for those that don't know he uh had in the quarterfinals and the finals of the mpsl midwest uh playoffs he had a total of four penalty stops and shootouts two in each he (laughs) saved i believe two in the upsl championship game with uh uh, i don't know how you pronounce this team's name it's like ginger atlanta uh that was in 2021 or 20 i apologize i'm blanking Recently, had penalty saves in a championship game, which they won. Uh, and he also, uh, I guess there's a Dakota Fusion in the Open Cup. Uh, that game went to penalties, and he conceded zero penalties in that game. Won 3-0 on penalties. So, point being, Alberto Soroy does very well <laughs> in knockout competitions. <laughs> and uh, uh, for that reason, you know, I, I feel like Treviso might have a little bit of luck on their side. But we'll see. But anyways, I, we, we wish him the best of luck. Definitely. All right. Um, let's talk about Wapassel a little bit. The Wisconsin Primary Amateur Soccer League last season was a very exciting one uh, with Hayward winning the regular season, but Bateau taking home that playoff crown. Um, 2022, according to the, man- to the manager's preseason rankings, said to be, uh, according to them, a two-horse race between Hayward and Bateau, uh, with Hayward getting 34 votes, or excuse me, Bateau getting 34 votes, Hayward 33 the next closest, Barron and Newside Union Eau Claire at 21 votes apiece. Um, for a little context on how the preseason is going in Wapassel, um, again, Union Eau Claire, which is a brand new club to uh, the Wapassel this season, played their first ever major friendly, a 3-0 loss to FC Minneapolis in Brooklyn Park. Whereas Hayward has won two competitive friendlies, a 5-3 win against MASL's Rock City, and a 3-1 win against Granite City out of the UPSL. So two multi-goal wins against competition here in Minnesota for Hayward. Um, obviously, that's you know positive momentum for them heading into the Wapassel season. Bateau and Hayward have sort of separated themselves from the pack or did so last season. Um, but as this league progresses, I would really anticipate that balance of power to get a little bit more evened out in the league, um, you know, a team like Barron, I could easily see a team like Barron um, working their way into the, uh, you know, the, 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 the top of the table conversation and have a chance in the playoffs. Um, Lobos, they were, you know, picked in last year's manager's preseason rankings to be Bateau's greatest competition in the, uh, in the Wapasa last year. That obviously didn't come to fruition, but I could see them getting right back up there as well. And also really interested to see how those bottom two clubs, Potskin Jets and Spartan FC, both entering their second season, if they can sort of take a take a next step. Um, Potskin had some positive results last year. Spartan, not so much. Um, so we'll see what happens. But should be an exciting 2022 in Wapassal, for sure. Yeah, for sure. And, and like you said, I, I think that as time passes, hopefully we see the likes of Barron, Lobos, and, and perhaps uh, Union Eau Claire, who 
first friendly 3-0, not great, but they were playing FC Minneapolis, who are a much better team than the vast majority of will pass aside. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I think you can probably take some context on that one. But those three, just as examples, hopefully we see them continue to to rise in their competitiveness. Um, they've, they've certainly had, well, not Union, they're new, but uh, Baron and Lobos have certainly had good runs in the past, and and we'll see how things go this year. In terms of the Pateau-Hayward uh, duopoly, um, you know, Hayward's preseason has looked very good. A lot of their new players have looked very good, are scoring goals and assisting goals right off the bat. Very impressive. Uh, I've talked a bit before. They've added some really interesting pieces from some very high levels of of the uh, of the local scene in Hayward, but also actually up here in the Twin Ports. Uh, some guys who have a lot of MPSL minutes, a lot of um, St. Alaska minutes. Uh, so I, I'm really interested to see how that goes for them, and and I wouldn't be surprised if they if they figure out that that full title this year that they didn't quite get last year. But but at the same time, it would be really great to see a, a Baron, a Lobos, a Union make the sort of underdog run and, and take it. So we'll have to see, but it's certainly going to be an entertaining season. Yeah, it will. And that'll be the main thing to look at for me is obviously that race to the top. But if any one of the middle middle tier or projected middle tier teams can sort of work their way into that conversation, the Wapasso season starts May 15th. But this season, or excuse me, this weekend, we have a season kicking off in the UPSL, the Midwest Conference West Division. And it is new side Austin Villa FC might automatically be my favorite name in the Minnesota lower league soccer scene. Sorry, Minneapolis city. Sorry, joy athletic, but um, you have some competition here with Austin Villa um, out of Austin, Minnesota. Obviously they will be hosting granite city in their first ever match tonight. If you're listening to this on Friday, 7 PM at Austin high school uh, tomorrow, one match as well um, in Maple Grove at Maple Grove high school, 5 PM kickoff between Ebisua FC and Valora. And then the rest of the matches um, happening um, scattered throughout next week. Um, you have Sunday, Sioux Falls. Uh, you have Dakota Young Stars taking on FC Minneapolis. And then a four matches on Wednesday of next week with Austin Villa taking on Rochester, Ebisua taking on Granite City, Minneapolis City kicking off their UPSL season, hosting Minnesota Brooklyn Knights, Valora hosting Maple Brook. 58ers um, who return to UPSL after a season off. So um, a lot of exciting stuff. I mean, this is really sort of signifying the beginning of the Minnesota lower league soccer season, which is exciting. We'll make things a lot busier and a lot more hectic for us, Dom, but uh, you know, I'm looking, looking forward to it as always. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, You know, yeah, busy, but in the long run, busy is usually good. Um, Yeah. Great that we right away are going to see the two new uh, members of the Midwest West debut at home as well. That's great for Austin Villa and um, Ebusua. Uh, hopefully we get some really interesting competitive matches out of them. They are, you know, hosting very experienced sides, Valora particularly. That's that's perhaps a bit of a mountain climb, but but hey, that's that's what it's all about. You got to play and see what happens. Uh, and then that, that third match that's a little down the road, uh, Young Stars versus FC Minneapolis, I think it's going to be really interesting too. Those are two sides that have, um, I think I, I noted somewhere in preparation for something that they had uh, finished uh, 
right behind each other two years in a row. I think the Young Stars have finished right below FC Minneapolis two years in a row. Um, and, uh, you know, very competitive sides that haven't quite gone to the Silverware stage yet in the UPSL, but they fielded good teams, been competitive, gotten good results. Uh, so really interested to see how they do against each other. Young Stars, perhaps the one that you'd be interested to see more in terms of can they get that laid up on FC Minneapolis right away and perhaps change their uh, their fate in terms of finishing behind them. But uh, yeah, really great to have the UPSL back. A great way to sort of get the red carpet going for the whole lower league scene this uh, this summer and uh, looking forward to what this weekend has. Yeah, there's, there's a few storylines I'm looking at in the UPSL. Obviously the first being, you know, Minneapolis City will have their futures program featured in the UPSL this season with sort of their restructure on how they're doing things. How will they compete, excuse me, with some of these other more experienced teams? Um, Last year was sort of the test case for Minneapolis City to in UPSL as a whole, and they went undefeated through the regular season. One draw, I believe. So we'll see what what the futures program can bring. Um, Vlora will definitely be looking for a, for a bounce back season after last year. Um, Granite City and Brooklyn Knights were both very, very competitive and looked very good last season. FC Minneapolis as well. Um, so the top of that, that Midwest West table is going to be interesting. Obviously a lot of those experienced teams there, but you also have an injection of some new sides. As we mentioned with Austin Villa and Ebisua, we will see what they can bring and if they can make an impact. Um, last year, a couple first year teams, um, didn't fare so well, um, in the table. So we will see if, uh, if that, that can change, uh, this season in the UPSL, but yeah, things kick off tonight if you're listening on Friday. So if you have nothing to do, if you're looking, uh, maybe for some soccer, head on out to Austin, Minnesota and, uh, and check out Austin Villa. That's, uh, again, best, best name, I think, uh, <laughs> at least running for it, put that in the name, the team name of the year uh pot nominee there but anyways we've gone for an hour and 22 minutes here dom what do you say we uh we stop talking and just enjoy the soccer this weekend and then uh pick this back up next week probably a good idea i think we might have we might have reached the point where we've talked enough about soccer uh you know i don't know man we we really tested that out last that's week. true with we really marathoned it last week, week so. but yeah, yeah. Was, uh, you know, we're back to a little bit of normalcy, but obviously we had to compensate a little bit one podcast, but we made it a hour and 22 minutes for you guys. So um, hopefully you've enjoyed this episode. We appreciate you guys so much as always check out sodasoccer.com. Uh, consider supporting us at patreon.com slash sodasoccer. Um, and we will catch you next week for another episode of 10K. Enjoy all the soccer this weekend and next week, guys. We'll talk to you next Friday.